to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, Love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Hello, 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 and happy new year. I am so happy and excited to be back in the studio. Hopefully you enjoyed all the interviews that we did in partnership with Open House in... Um, and recognizing LGBT pioneers and hopefully uh, also grabbing the attention of your hearts to support LGBT seniors and, and the fact that we shouldn't forget them. I had a great uh, holiday break. Uh, <laughs> I did a lot of sleeping, especially in front of the fireplace. Fong, our producer, hello, you're still here with us. Hi, <laughs> yes, I'm right here, not going anywhere. Do you have a happy new year? Do you have a great holiday break? Uh, a relaxing one. Um, which is good because, you know, I needed some more time to think um, about what I want to do. Uh-oh. Yeah. Here here goes. The young people tell me, Michelle. <laughs> no, it's more like you know what you're doing. You have your passion and you're going for it and you're still, you know, going for it. You're right. And you're doing well, too. Um, and then folks my age may need a little more time since after college, not knowing their directions. Fong, if I have any advice for you, I mean, look, in my 20s, I screwed up and I screwed <laughs> anything and I screwed around. <laughs> oh my gosh. We you are doing well compared to me. <laughs> 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 well, Happy New Year. Thanks again for supporting us and for being here with us. Uh, we have a great show for you today. The Advocate had just, uh, right before you know, 2015 is over, they, they, a lot of the large publications come out with the best of the best, and, and that includes the incredible people, the influencers, the activists, the people who are making some real change. And so they had a list titled 40 Under 40 and uh, listed the fighters, people, um, like I said, who are doing incredible work. And so I'm very happy to have one of those fighters with us today. And this topic is actually extremely um, uh, emotional for me and very personal for me um, and I've been very vocal about the fact that I have a brother who is disabled and so let's get the program started today's show is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center when life needs a little encouragement Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side visit PacificFertilityCenter.com our guest today is DRC Charrington Neal and you may have heard of his story it's a horrific story and when I read it I just cringed and wanted to punch a wall uh, because I just couldn't understand and couldn't believe that in this day and age um, we're still dealing with these these types of, I'm just going to say it, uh, stupidity. But DRC had to, basically was forced to crawl off of a plane and that was the United Airlines uh, plane. The flight attendants failed to bring him an aisle-sized wheelchair to assist him um, off the plane. And so I think that if you read it, you know what I'm talking about. And if you didn't, you can just Google it. So let's welcome DRC to the program. DRC, thanks so much for being here with us today. Yes, thank you, Michelle. Good morning. Thank you for having me. 
So I know that you don't like to talk about the the incident. Um, uh, however, it is extremely important because I think you know that it they they kind of it kind of happened to the wrong disabled person, uh, a very <laughs> vocal, powerful disabled person, in my opinion. And, and at the same time, I feel like it happened to the right person in order to bring worldwide attention to the fact that this country, you know, does does not do very much for the the the, the disability community. Correct. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I mean, the United States is is one of the only developing countries in, or excuse me, the only developed country uh, in the world that actually has a law for people with disabilities. Uh, I've done a lot of traveling. I've lived abroad many times. And so I'd say the U.S. is far ahead of uh, many other places, including Europe. But they, they don't do enough. That's definitely true. Yes, that's that's what I meant. And, and again, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, I'm emotional about this. And I was thinking right before the break, actually, you know, my brother, who's disabled, um, came to visit me in, in the Bay Area. And uh, there's there's certain, you know, pockets of the Bay Area that um, haven't been gentrified yet. And so the the sidewalks are still at a space where there's enough space for him. He's in a wheelchair. Um, but But it saddened me because I knew that you know, these new developments that are popping up, it, the gentrification is the first sign of the fact that uh, the most vulnerable of our community, and that's inclusive of the, the disabled community, will be the first to be impacted because those sidewalks will get smaller and the, the ramps will disappear and, uh, and things like that. And so I bring this, this up because I wanted uh, to start out our conversation in talking about the fact that, you know, yes, this country is not doing enough, but, but, but share some of the specifics of of, of, you know, what is not enough? Like, how, how is it for you in, in living in this society, before we get to the LGBT part, um, how, you know, talk to us about what that means to say that it's not enough. Well, I mean, I, so for people that know me, um, you know, I'm, I'm 29. Uh, I was born with plastic tasthesia, cerebral palsy. Uh, as a result of being born almost three months premature. Uh, and so uh, what that means for me is that while um, my legs function, uh, they don't function properly. Uh, and, and, you know, I always joke with people and say, um, I use a wheelchair because it's faster, um, and, and that, you know, crawling around is only sexy in a Britney Spears video. Um, and, and quite frankly, I have things to do. So that being said, you know, growing up, from day one with a uh, disability, I think is uh, a lot different from people that acquire them. Not that I'm saying that one side is better or worse. Um, it's just different. So you learn immediately as a little child, you know, what things are going to work for you and what things aren't going to work for you. Um, so that includes things like you said earlier, the sidewalk, uh, not being wide enough or, uh, you know, um, even things that people don't take into consideration, like uh, I live in a major city, so a lot of times people uh, will forget that I am a part of a crowd. So, like, in front of me when I'm walking on the street, or excuse me, in my wheelchair, mm-hmm. people will be walking in front of me, and then they'll just, like, stop mm-hmm. and have a conversation. And it's, to me, it's many, in many ways similar to cars. You know, you can't do that on the street. So, you know, I'm forced to then take immediate action to avoid hitting people or, you know, somebody will stop and have a conversation or block up the curb cut 
which is literally the only section of the street that I'm able to access, and then look at me sideways when I ask them to move, <laughs> just because, you know, people who can walk, you have access to any part of those sidewalks that you want. You know, the straightest point from any point between A and B is a straight line. For people in wheelchairs with mobility disabilities, it's often a zigzag followed by a diagonal followed by maybe an elevator if it's working or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just you know you have to you have a disability in this organi- in this society. Uh, everything takes longer. You're waiting a lot. Your time is is not really your own. Uh, and I mean it's, it's unfortunate because people without disabilities don't. That's not anything that people without disabilities have to consider. I mean yeah, people little kids are just like I want to be able to go out and do X, and I can't because I'm not old enough. Well, then you finally do get old enough and you're still waiting for somebody to come and do, you know, X and Y for you a lot of times. And I don't think people without disabilities really consider what that means. So, oh. you know, it's a, it's a big problem. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and I look at what happened to you um, as far as that flight on United goes. Um, you know, a lot of the problems that the disability community faces is also a social issue. It's like there's like a lack of education. There's a lack of... Uh, compassion, if you will. And um, I wanted to, you know, if you can talk very briefly about that specific incident, did you feel that the flight attendants just, I don't know, like, did did they just not process? Did they not understand what was going on? Um, Is that due to lack of education or, you know, what was that experience? I mean, I I think that in that particular situation, as with many other um, situations, I think that the airline industry treats people with disabilities, um, like most people treat people with disabilities, they they do what they think is appropriate, but it's it's not correct, and and that was what I was trying to get um, United Airlines to understand. Um, you know, in that particular situation, you know, I did follow a protocol. They followed protocol. The protocol was for me to wait until people bring an aisle chair. But what they failed to understand, and what the general public also failed to understand, was that I had already been waiting for 30 to 45 minutes after the plane landed. And, you know, I got lots of comments, uh, negative comments from people on the Internet that were like, you know, you're just impatient and you don't know how to wait and people shouldn't be required to cater to you. Uh, And my response is it's not catering when, A, I had to use the bathroom. I told them this from touchdown. B, I'm not able to use airplane bathrooms because they're incredibly tiny and I'm not able to stand. It had been a six-hour flight from San Francisco to D.C., and I've been holding it the entire time. And D, a perfectly acceptable, accessible bathroom was 10 feet from the jetway door. So if they would have done what they were supposed to do, you know, this, it wouldn't have been an issue. But I think, you know, their mind immediately went to, well, protocol says that we're supposed to sit here until they bring a chair. And so that's exactly what they did. And, you know, it was late at night. I had work in the morning. I had to pee. So, yeah, I think I tired of it. I, I, I knew what worked best for me, and that was the argument that I was trying to make, was that why don't you ask somebody with a disability what works before you immediately jump to conclusions? And I know the law says X, but the law really needs to reflect those conclusions. Like, if they need to ask people, what do you need? And that never happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
TRC, we're going to take a quick break right here, but when we come back, I want to continue our conversation and also get to the part where we get to talk about your activism and and how that spans throughout um, different intersections of your life. So stay with us. Okay, thank you. The Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community. Each week, we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the Progressive Voices Network and throughout the progressive world. Be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to ProgressiveVoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. ProgressiveVoices.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community. I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. And now, back to the Michelle Miao Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Our guest today is D.R.C. Charrington-Neal, who's a disability rights activist and also an LGBT activist, I should say. And uh, his current position is uh, he's a correspondent specialist for the U.S. Department of the Interior. I have to ask, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Basically, I'm a writer editor. Of the <laughs> wow, that's that's really awesome! Congratulations on the this because uh, I I believe it's a it's it's recent. Yes, uh, I started in October. Wonderful. So right before the break, we talked about you know what happened on that United Airlines flight, um, and just to conclude it, I'm curious to know kind of what your relationship is like now with the airlines and uh, since the incident, because it did go viral, if you believe the airlines is taking any necessary steps to address um, disability. Well, it's funny you'd ask that. Uh, I just, uh, over Christmas break, uh, I flew a United Airlines flight to surprise my mom uh, for Christmas, and uh, that was very successful. But I noticed that they have indeed made several changes um, since the incident in October. Um, one of the things that I was happiest to see was that um, as I was making my way toward the terminal to board the plane, they had um, designated people who had like iPads that were just kind of waiting in the main thoroughfare. And, you know, when they saw that I had a wheelchair, you know, somebody came up to me and said, you know, sir, uh, which gate are you going to? And uh, I was going to D7, and so he was like, great. He's like, I will notify gate D7 to have an aisle chair prepared for you by the time you get there. Mm-hmm. So, and he did. And so, you know, I got to D7, and they were all ready to go. You know, I haven't seen that before. That's great. So, 
they did something. <laughs> like I, something happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think that that was a, a change for the better. Um, I'm still trying to have the conversation that you know that refers to the fact that you know I even on that particular flight it was it was super crowded and I get it was the Christmas holiday, but they had me in the middle toward the back of the plane, and I I still don't understand that. My my argument has has always been. You know that you should put people with mobility disabilities specifically in the front because it's easier for everyone. But yet, they don't seem to think that's a valid um, question. So I'm I'm still working on that. I'm you know I'm still going to have that conversation. But they are doing better, and uh, I'm happy to see that. Well, my comments to that, just because I'm cynical and uh, negative, would have to be that they can't put you in front because that's where the first class people sit, and uh, that would take up a seat that you know they get to charge tons of money for. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I, like I understand that, and my response is I don't care. Um, right. You know, putting having. I'm not asking that you reserve an entire row. Mm-hmm. I'm asking for a single seat in the first three rows on either side. To me. Putting a person with a disability up front is a lot cheaper than a lawsuit. So, you know, let's just keep it real. Okay. Um, yes. No, and, and uh, this, again, like I said, this is so personal for me because my brother refuses to fly. Just the entire experience, um, he flew once, and it was so horrible. And, you know, this is a 36, uh, yes, he's 36 years old. This is a 36-year-old man who will not get on a plane just because I mean, from the beginning to the end, the entire experience is so horrible, and the people that he has to deal with are so horrible to him, and make making him feel as if it's a, he's problematic or, or he's a problem that they have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I recall um, probably the most horrible comment uh, of all the online trolls uh, came from Fox News, of all people. I shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> But uh, the, there was someone who said, you know, how dare he get on the plane? He knew he was disabled before he got on. Uh, you know, he should have found a different way to get home. And, you know, I was going to respond, but I didn't have to. Because the moment I hit refresh, the Internet had already come for her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they basically were like, who do you think that you are? Like, how dare he try to take the most efficient, most cost-effective manner to fly home from California. Like, <laughs> what do you expect them to do? Real home? Yeah, there is hope. There, There's, you know, there are real human beings out there with, with compassion. And uh, that leads me to the fact that we do need champions like yourself who are vocal, who are activists, and who won't, you know, uh, who won't go quietly, if you will. Because I, I imagine that if that incident was didn't go viral, if you didn't talk about it and... Um, you know, that that becomes then the experience for many people in the, the, the disability community. I want to turn our attention to the fact that I mentioned it earlier, also an LGBT activist, an LGBT activist for the disabled community. Let's talk about the fact that you are proud to say you're black, gay, and in a wheelchair. Um, and that's that's been, that's been your thing forever. You've not been ashamed of any of that. No, no. I mean, it's from, like the, from day one, you know, it's, it's a lot of plates. <laughs> I'm not going to lie and say it's not, but, it, you know, you just have to kind of figure out what you're going to do with yourself thing and kind of go from there. Um, I, I would say, however, that, you know, that was part of the reason why um, I started 
talking to the advocate because, <laughs> I mean, everybody knows that the gay community is, um, you know, it's great that we're making such massive strides for LGBT equality. That's wonderful. Um, but we have some serious problems. And, um, you know, I, I think people are aware of that. I just think that there are um, equal issues that are not being paid attention to. And, and one of those happens to be disability. Um, you know, I'm like, I love that people can, can get fired up about marriage and that, you know, that people want to get married. But before you can even get to that, how about you acknowledge the person <laughs> that's actually trying to date? Because we haven't even gotten to that particular hurdle yet. Um, you know, I live in D.C., which is one of the most gay-friendly cities in the country. And, you know, there are virtually no... Um, meeting spaces, there's virtually no kind of uh, safe, inclusive space for LGBT people with disabilities to, to talk. And, you know, I know a lot of people personally who just refuse and who stay cooped up in their house, even in a city as, as wide open as D.C. Uh, part of that has to do with um, just the lack of access. I mean, even with D.C. being a, metro, uh, a metropolis, the majority of the uh, clubs in the city are not accessible to me. Right. Uh, the majority of activities that gay people attend are not accessible to me. You know, whether they be, you know, biking or rollerblading or dancing or, you know, it's just like this just large network of things that they think that this is what gay people want to do. Yes, it is. But there are actually a whole other group of people that you should also consider who also might want to participate that are not currently being allowed to do so. And I just think it's ridiculous. You know, I want to ask this question, and uh, it might be an awkward question, but have you ever felt lost or, or not included when it comes to your own community, such as the LGBT community? Oh, all the time. I mean, I, you know, that was part of the reason why I've, you know, I've been getting more, more vocal about it in recent years is because, you know, growing up, Having cerebral palsy, it, it, you you just there's just nowhere for you. There's just nowhere, and you see, you know, you're like, okay, so there's like the black community over there, which is doing their things, and they've got power rallies, and like people getting together, and they've got uh, what is it, um, uh, blackpeoplemeet.com, I think it is. You know, they've got whole sites dedicated to because they know that. It's an issue in the black community trying to get people to take us seriously as actual viable dating candidates. So they dealt with the problem. I mean, and then you've got the LGBT community, and at first it's like, well, I don't know if I'm going to fit in, but then you see, you know, I'm in high school and college, and I was a part of an organization called the 10% Society, uh, which is dedicated to LGBT issues. And, you know, you see people like having parties, and they've got gay fraternities. Uh, what Gamma Alpha Chi, I think it is, it's mm -hmm. fantastic. You know, it's you see people creating spaces where there were none, and you know, you just kind of like, okay, and so where do I go? And the answer is neither one. Um, and you know, so yeah, you growing up, it was it was, it was terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was why I was like, you know, I have to do something because I I can't sit here and watch, you know, like I said, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with people wanting to work for equality and do all the work, but I do have a problem when the equality is short-sighted 
and that there's tunnel vision, I, that, that makes me angry because I, that, that isn't my right. I don't have a choice. I don't get to choose to turn one off and then turn one on. So, right. And I know that there are other people like that. I know there are other people like myself. Uh, you know, so that, that's what I'm thinking about. Uh, we mentioned, you know, social awareness um, earlier and how the fact that society may not be, uh, well, obviously, they're, they're completely unaware um, in, in, at times and uh, not aware enough when it comes to disability. I wanted to ask, you know, if, um, if part of your activism will include the awareness part and the education part to the LGBT community speci- specifically and uh, in trying to also offer um, education so that maybe some compassion can, can come out of it as well. That, you know, at bars and clubs, if you're a gay bar owner, you should consider space for, uh, you know, a disabled person. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, currently I'm, I'm still kind of in the planning stages for what exactly that's going to look like. But I do have, you know, ideas to do things like um, meetings uh, with, like I said, local bar owners, with local LGBT um, organizations. Um, and, you know, I am starting to get some support in, in, in that regard because I think that, you know, like I remember one particular prominent bar owner made a comment to me when I asked him how his club could be a public space and not have uh, an elevator for people. And he just very flippantly responded, well, it isn't like they ever show up, so I'm not wasting my money. Mm. And, and I was just like, well, if you had an elevator, perhaps they would show up. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I, I, I do want to start to meet. And also, I want to meet with, like, other people that are currently in the community to try and get them to um, expand their their thinking and their, you know, education. Because I think that when the disability community sees that there are people out there that are open and willing to meet them and date, you know, they won't find it so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I know that's how I felt. But, you know, a lot of times, um, I sing with the DC Gaming Chorus, and they are a wonderful group of people who are, you know, they they range all ages, you know, all different types of lives, and, you know, it's like, why am I the only person with a physical disability in the chorus? I don't, that that to me doesn't make sense, and so I'm trying to, to have this conversation so that people can see that, yes, there are organizations that are willing to be inclusive and that will you know, expand and open their doors, but you do have to come out and meet them. So, you know, it's 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 a slow process, but I I'm I'm I'm, I'm trying. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I think you're an incredible hero. I'm so glad that the advocate included you in their forty under forty list. Michelle Meow, we're speaking with uh, a, a, an LGBT and also disability rights uh, activist and advocate, DRC Charrington Neal. DRC, I, I have a couple questions for you before we let you go as we're winding down. There's so much happening right now, politically and socially, um, you know, when it comes to black lives and when it comes to the LGBTQ community as we, you know, head into 2016 and continuing the fight for equality. And then also, you know, um, uh, just the overall e- equality. It seems like a lot of us uh, Americans are fighting to just live. How does, you know... What's your how does that make you feel in terms of being a person that that is involved in so many different 
um, I guess I should say, I, I said it earlier, but intersections of our lives, like you're, you know, you're, you're kind of right there in the middle of, of a lot of things that are happening. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I, I think that at the end of the day, my goal is to make sure that we get heard. You know, they may not do anything specifically for one particular group or another, but at the end of the day, they do need to realize that there are people, you know, like the fight against Medicaid, you know, I, I, I would assume that there are lots of gay young millennials who don't care about Medicaid. I do, mm-hmm. because I have a disability. It's, it's what saved me when I couldn't find a job for four years. I lived off that. There are lots of gay people with disabilities who live off Medicaid. So that's a very real thing, um, not for people that are age 65 and up. Uh, you know, and of course, like, like you were saying, Black Lives Matter, you know, I am a black person. I can be gunned down by the cops. I've had people act very suspicious of me. Even though I'm in a wheelchair, I guess they partially felt like uh, I could get one up on them because, you know, I could just say, oh, this person did X to me, you know, or that I could rob them or something. I don't know. I've had situations happen to me like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not immune to any of those particular situations, but at the end of the day, I think I just need to ensure that we get heard, you know, so that people see me and know, okay, yeah, there are other people that we need to be considering, and this is not a siloed issue. Thank you so much for the work that you do and that you will do and you'll continue to do. Um, I have a, a selfish ask, and I'm going to ask my producer for an email for you, but uh, I think it would be so incredible if you you know, were an honorary Grand Marshal for San Francisco Pride or a celebrity Grand Marshal, um, and <laughs> I, I mean it. Honored. I would honestly. I love San Francisco. I've been there several times. I was just there in October. Uh, I love San Fran. Um, that would be amazing. I, you know, if they want to do it, sure. <laughs> um, I'd be happy to give you my email. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I can get it. I, I can give it to uh, Fong. Yes. Yes, I'll have Fong contact you because we don't want to give it over the air. But imagine that, right. you know, listeners. Look, there, there are some changes that we can make today, and especially in the LGBTQ community, we should honor someone like DRC who's willing to be very vocal about these fights. So, DRC, thank you so much for being with us today, and thank you for all you do. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I really do. The Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. Don't go away. BB Sweetbriar will be here with us, and she's got a brand new single out. You'll want to hear it. I'm Heclina. I've been doing drag here in San Francisco for almost 20 years, and uh, over the past couple of months, I just opened up my club, Oasis. It's been going really well. People really seem to appreciate the space. It's something people say San Francisco really needs right now, because the city has been changing a lot. I always had this attitude of, of opening a space that was kind of like for everybody, and that's just kind of the attitude and the, the, uh, the ethics of Oasis, is it's kind of a space for everybody. How does it feel to be a business owner? I don't know, you know, it's funny because I still need to, I still have to kind of pinch myself to believe it's actually true, you know what I mean? Like I walk in there and 
and I go up to the bar and I go, oh, could I please have a glass of water? You know, it's kind of like, I forget that it's my place. Running gay clubs, it's changed a lot. Um, I think that gay people now, they're everywhere. They don't feel like they have to maybe be in a gay bar all the time, so you have to be much more creative about how you are enticing people to come out to your club. I, I guess I'm successful because I'll just say it, I work really hard at what I do. I also like to provide a really quality experience for people. So yes, you know, people will pay to see my shows and pay to come to my club, but I always like, like to give them something that's worth it. The experience that they'll, they'll leave my shows going, okay, that was worth it, you know what I mean? This has always been my attitude. Um, just to entertain people, and so it seems like that works, you know. I would say to young kids, you know, just kind of form your own identity. And, uh, and you know, don't let others dictate how you should behave or think. Uh, you can always go to uh, sfoasis.com to find out about all the entertainment and nightlife that we have going on at Oasis. If you want to see drag, we've got that for you. If you want to see some queer hip-hop parties or queer dance parties, we have that for Spotlight you. Spotlight on success and achievement. Brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. Happy New Year. I'll continue to say that for the rest of this year or, or you know, maybe this month. I mean, I, I think it's it's only right. And plus, Chinese New Year's coming up, Vietnamese New Year's coming up, <laughs> all the New Year's. It's, it's a New Year. It's 2016. So, you know what I love about this show is the fact that we cover pretty much everything. Everything that's like important that's politics that's news that's entertainment that's art and that's culture and i'm sure you love it when you tune in on sundays at noon to the michelle meow show when bb sweetbriar comes on and uh, gives you a little bit of everything too so here with us our guest today is bb sweetbriar wow wow it's weird um, weird to be on this side you're weird to be it on is. the on the other side isn't it kind of I, gives you the sensitivity though when you have somebody else on the other side <laughs> i think i i actually like being on the other side do you? I, yeah. I know you do you do you do i know you you're not um if you had a choice, this would be the choice you would choose. I do that. Exactly. Uh, well, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful for you in, in joining us in 2015 and doing It's Everything with BB Sweetbriar on Sundays at noon. I mean, the guests that you have on are incredible. You know, you've got celebrities, you've got, you know, real community like issues. Said, we do everything. everything. We kind of do the, everything. the A list, the D list. Yeah. Everybody's there. <laughs> yeah. And I think we make a, you know, an incredible great team. So just to remind everyone, you know, who's tuning in right now, you can tune in at 12 o'clock noon for the Michelle Meow Show and you'll get BB Sweetbriar, right. who covers everything as well. That's but especially, right. you're so good at the arts and entertainment because you yourself, that's, you're a performer. That's my expertise. So it's kind of, um, you know, you kind of go what you're good at, and that's what, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and it's really weird because I think you're really good in the politics and and really on the issues that are um, before us, and not just our community but the world at large. And so I always love tuning in to listen to the things that you bring in that genre in that area. And um, you know, I I'm probably not as good at all on that. You know, I have my opinion, but that's about all I know. Well, <laughs> we we shall stop gushing uh, to each other We're about each right. other because uh, people know we love each other, so that's fine. But but there, really more, there are more there more reasons. We have an affair going yeah. on secretly. Ser seriously, but we have more reasons to love you, and uh, and the reason why you're here today is because you have huge, incredible, great news, and I'm so excited for this. But I mean, shall I say it, or I think you should. Yeah. Well, I I it is really amazing to me. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I'm releasing uh, my sixth single 
um, on the 15th of January, so next Friday. And um, out of all of it I've done, this is probably the biggest release I've ever had. It's, um, it's called Don't You, and it's a remake. It's a cover tune of the uh, number one song by uh, the Pussycat Dolls. I know the Pussycat Dolls yeah. very well. <laughs> and it's on the 10-year anniversary of the song, which is one of the reasons I chose to do it. But um, it's signed with a label, and I've never done that before. And um, I just signed with a promotions company. I've never done that before. Wow. wow. And um, it has a huge remix package. I've never done that before. So there's a lot of uh, first on this, even though it's not my first single, there's a lot of first attached to it. And um, I'm it, extremely excited. Well, I am for you, and in uh, in you collaborated with some uh, someone who's extremely important, someone who's very talented, uh, Leo Frappiere. Yeah, he is. Um, you know, sometimes I've known him for a long time. I've known him for a few years, but I've never worked with him. And we've kind of always had those. Oh yeah, we got to get together. We got to do that. Never happened. And when this opportunity came up for me to actually initiate something, I did it. And he was the only person I wanted to work with on this project. And it worked out brilliantly because we had some time to do it. But then once we got into it and working with one another, we really, I think for me, I know I can say, and I think I can speak for him, is that we really match each other's well as far as our skill set and what we like to do. Mm -hmm. um, I am totally into... Um, melody lines and really changing things up and he's really technically so great into making it sound good you know <laughs> yeah. and how to bring that out in in an artist and i have to tell you this was the easiest studio session i've ever had nice and um it's a lot because of leo well, Leo's credentials include Sylvester, Rihanna, Mary J. Blige, woo, mm -hmm. <laughs> Icona Pop, and Carly Rae Jepsen. There you go. I mean, wait, I sounded way too excited <laughs> for that. Let me back up really quick. She is hot. And Carly Rae Jepsen. And she is hot. But, um, <laughs> I have, I'll say that. She's hot. Michelle wants to say that about that. Um, yeah, he, you know, he's one of those guys that people run to when, it, when it's a heavy vocal song because he's really good with the vocals. He's really he really knows how to put it all together and he I think he's done a great job with this song. Well, I can't wait to hear it and we are going to play the single for you by the way. So hold uh hold on tight to your seats. Don't get up, don't go anywhere. You'll want to hear this. Um you know, Doncha is very special for me. That song that uh, oh. you know the the Pussycat Dolls did 10 years ago, which yeah, is crazy. Yeah, that weird. 2005. That tells me how old I am now. Um, but, uh, because, you know, I was at the cafe and I was very young. Oh, you actually know. This is good. It's a yeah. good story. I like when you can like, I know exactly where I was. Yep. Yep. I, I was at the cafe and, uh, and yes, I was very young. Um, and the song had just come out and the clubs were just, mm -hmm. man, they couldn't stop playing the song is, you know, the bass and, and, and the beat and mm -hmm. everything. And, and of course, Nicole Scherzinger being hot and all that stuff right. mixed into it. Um, and I, I was dating this chick who went away. Um, she was white, so she did the whole like cabin thing a lot. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> so she went. She was cabin up at her, skiing. Those types yeah, of <laughs> she went up to this cabin. You know, she was gone in the mountains. I was in a club, and this girl walks up. She, I think, she was a uh, Indonesian and German. Mm -hmm. I come to find out, and she was just gorgeous, gorgeous. gorgeous. You know, probably and, like Nicole. 
very Nicole. <laughs> yes, very Nicole looking. Yeah. Long hair, you know, and all the makeup and everything. And she's trying to hit on me, and I'm like, oh, you know, I got a girlfriend. I got a girlfriend up at the cabin. I got a girlfriend. And she's, and then this song comes on, don't you? And she's just, you know, throws me against the, the, the mirror there in the cafe and licks me from my neck up to my cheek, whispering, don't you? Oh my God. Now that is a, st- I'm have to, can I steal that? I have to steal that. <laughs> I have to like put that in my bag of why I like the song and use your shirt. Yeah. Cause this is what the song does to people. And I'll do that. I'll pull this one out. My friend Michelle, that is like so good. Um, it was like, don't you wish your girlfriend was hot right. like me? And I'm like, I was 20. So I well, mean, I, I like the fact that you said it because you remember it, it's, um, it's one of those songs that almost everyone that I've told, you know, when I, finally told people what I was doing and what song it was, everyone had some memory of right. it, you know? Oh my God, I remember when I was, and that's kind of why I did it because I knew I wanted to do this time around. Uh, it's really difficult when you're independent artist or an artist period and you're writing original material, which all my previous songs are, um, because even though they're personal and you really feel good about them, they really have to strike a chord with your audience. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not everybody's an Adele that can just <laughs> touch that. You know what I mean? And I thought I would be good to like try and make something that's already had a formula that worked and make it my own. And don't you with that song for me. All right. Well, let's, let's get to your version and hopefully I'll make a new favorite experience out of it. Here's B.B. Sweetbriar's Doncha featuring Leo Frappier.
Did you feel the wetness from your your neck to your cheek? Oh my god, that uh. Okay, we have two minutes left before we go on break, which we'll come back. But I mean, I have a lot to say, you know, about the entire track. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I do, I do. I have a lot to say. I do, I have, I have a lot to say. But but what I do want to say is that, uh, I mean, this is, even though it's, it's a cover, but it's it's music, and it's, it's original in terms of your creativity, and I really right. could feel, you know, the, the various or different talents you bring to your performance. Like, oh, you're you. a multidimensional performer to me, yeah. first, uh, first of all. And we mentioned long before, you know, you're, you, you do drag, you do all these things you sing. Um, but even in your drag, you know, that you could, you have this sense of, um, it, it's not definitive. You know how mm-hmm. a lot of drags are, you know, it's just like, that is their alter ego, that right. is their, their character. Right. And when they're in character, like, that's just who they are. But I always felt like this multi-dimensional presence, and I, I really got a feel for it in this single. So, congratulations! Thank you. I'm um, gosh, I'm excited. I and I need, I need. It's kind of neat because it's going into 2016 and um, a new year and a new, and it's really good. And I've kind of looked back too, and I've always kind of done that. I've always kind of like chosen to put out something at the beginning. And this is not the best time to put out music. It really isn't. <laughs> but it always works for me, you know, because it's a new beginning and all of that. And I'm really happy about it. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I don't mean to bring this up, but uh, over the holiday break, um, for some reason, my family was just really into playing Justin Bieber's album, like, over and over and Which over. Which is very good, actually. Yeah. And that's what they said. It mm-hmm. was like, you know, it was, it was different in a way in which it was... Um, it had expanded mm-hmm. on what he usually does, and I can agree with that. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go as far as to say is, you know, th- but this, this single right here, it it, it, it would even top his album Aww. because, I mean. Wait it, till it, you hear yeah. all the remixes. There are six yeah. remixes to this track that, you know, when you do remix packages, the idea is that each one of them takes their own. It takes a song and really makes it a different song. And so many times you get that with artists and it's like, well, they all sound the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're a little bit different, but they all sound the same. They're, these are this. Now I have seven songs because mm-hmm. these six are totally different and they're all good. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I got from it was the was you. I got you in it, and I got the 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 various different talents that you bring to a song. But also, um, it was very genuine. You know, there was a lot of you know your own talent into it. And I guess if I had to compare, why would it even compare you to a Justin Bieber? Is the fact that even though he put out an album that's supposed to be personal to him, you know, this purpose thing. I still felt like it was disingenuine, but, yeah. uh, you know, some good beats. We're going to take a quick break right here, and then we're going to go in and dissect a little bit about your new single as well as talk about some upcoming events um, that you're going to do in this launch. So okay. we'll be right back. Don't go away. BB Streetbriar in studio.
for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on on Facebook. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. On the Progressive Voices Facebook page, we update the stories that our hosts like Tom Hartman, Stephanie Miller, Bill Press, and Leslie Marshall will be talking about during their shows. And we share great news, commentaries, opinion pieces, and videos from all over the progressive world. Always progressive, always on. Be part of the progressive conversation. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. The Commonwealth Club is a unique organization that brings together people from a variety of backgrounds to explore important issues as a community. Sooner or later, everyone worth hearing comes to our stage. From Marga Gomez to Richard Chamberlain, from James Hormel to Kate Kendall, leading thinkers, activists, politicians, and artists have come to the Commonwealth Club of California. Ted Olson and David Boyes came here to discuss their winning legal strategy for same-sex marriage. Jason Collins talked about gay athletes. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence discussed activism and good works. Actor and director Rob Reiner explained how he got Hollywood behind same-sex marriage. Barney Frank described what it's like to be gay at the highest levels of Washington. From healthcare reform to transgender rights, from immigration to gay-owned businesses, it's all at the Commonwealth Club. And that's still just a portion of the 450 programs we present every single year, with new programming nearly every single day. Be a part of the conversation. Learn more at commonwealthclub.org, download our free app in iTunes, and join us in person the next time you're in San Francisco. The Commonwealth Club of California puts you face-to-face with today's thought leaders. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Welcome back. Whoa, I am fired up. I'm so excited. We have BB Sweetbriar in studio, and uh, we just heard your new single, yeah. uh, which is a cover of the Pussycat Dolls. I like Dolls, to say this is you? the first time it's actually been played on the radio that I know of. What? So, um, um, congratulations for, you know, breaking the radio cherry for my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to let uh, Nicole Scherzinger know. Yeah, I love that. You know? you know? um, so what I was going to say about it was, uh, what I loved about it was the different variation of your voice and mm-hmm. the sounds, and you give it this like Supreme-esque um, tone to it. Yeah. And, 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 and there's no other you know, person who's singing, it's your voice. Right, I did all the backup parts, all the harmonies, um, that's me. And um, and that's the fun part about it. When I first heard this song, I really loved it, of course. But then I heard harmonies in it that weren't the ones recorded, and and that's how I am anyway. Like I'll I'll sing a song in the club, and even though there's no harmonies to it, I will sing, sing harmonies because I'm from a family of four, and we all sang, and I never sang the lead part. So mm-hmm. um, so I'm used to hearing that. So when I got a chance to do it, I wanted to do it the way I heard it in my head. And that's what I did. And, you know, of course, there's usually a rap in the song in the middle, which I isn't, of course, in this. And so all of that is my lyrics and my interpretation. I like that, you know, the the way you went with your your tone, your voice, and your singing mm-hmm. is um, – it's not a complete different direction than the track, the mm-hmm. the you know the the dance track mm-hmm. underneath, uh, but it works so well. It's like a medley. Mm-hmm. Um, so so obviously it's a it, it you can be played in the dance clubs. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, and then the remixes even expand upon which type because there's like um, dark house and there's some um, some um, um, 
um, techno type of stuff also on all of them. But but the song for me really, you know, I didn't really think about it much initially, but it, when I started getting into it, it really kind of, there is a there is something that personally hits me on this and like people who are drag queens or female impersonators or or even transgender women probably can relate to this because so many times we are approached by quote unquote straight guys or whatever and yet we're good enough to be gawked at but we're not good enough to be in a relationship with and that's kind of what this whole this this song to me kind of meant to me for me to really get into it and to sing it with some great feeling i had to i had to personally relate to it and mm-hmm. that's what i did is i kind of related to all the times that i'm approached because oh you look hot but you don't really want more than a fantasy. You really don't. And and it's like, so I want you to go home, and every time you look at that girl, Ooh. I want you to realize that you wish you were me. Ooh. I was feeling a, a story come on, so now I'm going to ask. <laughs> you want to wish that I, she I, was I, me. I want to ask now, do we have a story from you? Mm-hmm. You want to tell a story? No, I mean, no. That, I mean that, I, that, that happens a lot, trust me. I mean... And and I, not only with me, it's not unique to me. Is um, I'm sure a lot of people in the drag culture um, can relate, and definitely I know trans women can definitely relate to it. Course, so yeah. so it's kind of like a shout back out to that. And I and I thought it would be kind of neat to do that. So there is a video to this yes. that's also launched on the same day. And um, it's going to be kind of, you know, it, it's only me in the video, so it's not going to be, most of my videos have always been stories. like. It, the storyline was there and this one I, I want to do a little differently and um the director i i always work with which is amir amir jaffer who's a a, a filmmaker and um you know we it's funny we came to the table and we both had the same idea like it was we're so it's so uncanny because we just think like and we were right there so it was like bam so are you in a club uh in the video no, i'm or? not well I shouldn't say the environment isn't meant to be a club, but I did film it in a club. Yes, I did. Oh, well. I did video it in a club, but you don't know that's in a club. No. Um, and is it? It's just you. It's just me. And is then uh, Leo has a, a few little cameos playing, you know, the keyboards. So, so we can't see the video yet, right? It hasn't no. been released. It won't be released until the first viewing of it will be on the the release day, the fifteenth. Okay, so you know, you mentioned there's a lot of firsts in this this um, single or this launch, and um, you know what 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 different things are you going to do? You know, are you gonna have a launch party? Are you going I am, to- there's a launch party on January fifteenth um, at the cafe in the Castro. Speaking of your experience, um, <laughs> so you should come and relive that, um, and I'll find a girl for you. you can relive that, um, and um, it's on the fifteenth, and it's at eight thirty p.m. It's right at the beginning of Boy Bar, which is a Gus Presents party. So Gus Presents and um, uh, Laquoia Hill Entertainment are kind of. Um, involved with giving me the opportunity to launch it there. So you will see the video um, and you'll hear a variation of the track and I will perform a variation. So you'll get three different looks of it differently. So I'm going to perform with my backup dancers that night as well on a different than you heard tonight. Oh, backup dancers too. Mm -hmm. We've been rehearsing our butts off. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. This is so incredible, especially for, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area. And I know those of you tuning in from elsewhere, you're probably really jealous. (laughs) Um, 
But, <laughs> you know, know the that. single, when, once it's released, though, you can grab that off. Yeah, it's on iTunes. You can actually pre-order it now on iTunes and Amazon um, worldwide. Um, this is a worldwide release. It will be on every retail outlet imaginable. I, it's re- being released through The Orchard, which is the second largest distribution distribution. Um, company in the world behind Sony. So, and actually, Sony owns them. So, it's like, wow. You know, um, and um, so it's going to be out there and hopefully get some traction. I, um, you know, this is what I'm going to say. I think that when the track was released, I mean, I'm sure of it, you know, Pussycat Dolls and their managers at the time when they were. By the way, this, this was song. written by CeeLo Green. I don't know if people yeah. know that. A lot of people, oh. I didn't know it until I actually decided to record it. Oh, wow. I didn't know CeeLo wrote it. Yeah, he wrote it. Isn't that yeah. weird? That you find seen. stuff out when you actually dig deep because I right. have to pay him money to do this song. So, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> so I was like, you know, I was like, CeeLo wrote this. So no wonder I like it because I love him. Yeah, first of he's all. very, so, very yeah, talented. Very talented. He writes everything. He can yeah. write every genre, right. anything. But I think, you know, for a lot of people, they they got this song and it was, um, I, I think it was, you know, very hetero and, mm. and you know, charged that way, like uh, the in the heterosexual community. But I love that you've taken it, you've made it your own, and you give this, uh, you give it this piece of androgyny. That's also, I think, is going to be special for the LGBTQ community, and especially if you're hanging out and you're young. When I like, like me, when I was young, and at at, at the cafe or at a bar or a club or you know on the dance floor, and this song comes on, I think it's going to be extra special that you know it was BB, it's BB Sweetbriar, and not. Well, I think also I, I, to to add piggyback off of what you're saying is because I think a lot of times when we when we in the LGBTQ community um, get a hold of stuff that is meant for a different group of people, uh-huh. even though we like it, sometimes it's really hard for us to kind of picture how to relate to it. You know, but now that they know those of the and the community know who I am, will initially kind of I think get what I'm saying. Like you know what I know I I've been with BB when so and so came up to her and said this and did that and he was a straight guy or whatever, and they'll they'll immediately find some relationship yeah. to it that yeah. they were having a hard time feeling before. You right. know, um, whether you be lesbian, whether you be gay, bi, whatever in mm-hmm. those alphabets, you probably will find a, a way to relate to it. Um, yeah, you know, especially in the lesbian community. I mean, this song, seriously. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. I want to perform it at the Dinah, you know. Oh, <laughs> yes, that would be so perfect. Okay. I need to contact Mona. I'm actually yes. the PR person. I'm like, Mona, I need to perform my song. Exactly. That would be so, so, so perfect. By the way, um, my favorite part of the song is when you you uh, you just say me. You're not saying me, you're saying me. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's so, I, it, it's it's so kinda, good. There's also the line in there where it sounds like I say the uh, the bitch word. Um, I know I can say it on the show. Um, <laughs> and it's, 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 I say baby, but the like in other remixes, it's more distinct. But in this, it, it sounds like it says, I'm not, this is not your home bitch. But it says, this is not your home baby. And... We decided to leave it like that because we wanted to make up. God, I love that. Sounds really like you are giving it. Uh, Your neck is probably going yeah. like this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud to say that you know you're a friend of ours here, and you're also a part of the show. Congratulations, Thank and uh, I can't wait to to get out there on the dance floor and dance to it. Uh, we're going to play it again as we exit the show. So thanks so much for joining us here today. You can tune into BB Show, uh, which airs on the Progressive Voices Network during the Michelle Miao Show, Sundays at 12 noon. 
So um, here's the track. If you missed it uh, earlier, don't you? Covered by BB Sweetbriar featuring Leo Frappiera. Thank you.
Thank you.